When we think of years gone by of the evangelism of the great worthies of the Christian faith, men like Whitfield, men like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, missionary pioneers like William Carey who went to India, they had one simple principle in preaching the gospel. And they summarized it like this. It was the law to the proud and it was grace to the humble. The law to the proud and grace to the humble. And the interview which Christ had with this rich young ruler in Mark's Gospel chapter 10 verse 17 to 27. I think it's just a perfect illustration in hand. Here we have law to the proud and grace to the humble. When this young man came to the Savior... He had the right question. He was inquiring about eternal life. But the Lord's answer didn't please him. Because I think he came to the Lord and he was expecting some sort of life-enhancing experience. And that's what many people think church is today. It's something that will give them a new experience. It's something that will enhance their well-being. It's something that will make them a better person than what they already are. But when this young man came to Jesus, he got none of those things. And on the contrary, the Lord faced him with the claims of God's law that brought him low. And then he applied the gospel of grace and he told him to take up his cross and to follow him. The law of God breaks hard hearts. It breaks proud hearts. And the gospel of grace offers the healing. Proud sinners need to feel all of the weight of the law of God pressing in upon them. But they also need to know the healing that's found in that great balm of Gilead, the gospel of the saving grace of God. I, I want to stop with you today at Mark 10, this interview that Christ had with this rich young ruler. All the lessons are not just applicable to the young that are in the meeting, they're applicable to every one of us. And to those that know not the Lord as their Savior, they are especially applicable to you. I want you to notice firstly how this young man was self-defined. We all come with our own self-definition. And this young man was very much his own maker, as it were. He was self-defined. And when you find somebody like that being self-defined, they, they define themselves, you know that there is deficiencies in their character. The Bible tells us that he was young. And of course that is what the world portrays as the apex of well-being. That you're young, you're healthy, and you're rich. Young, healthy, and rich. It would seem that this young man had everything going for him, but he wasn't happy. There was something in his heart that was missing. The great eternal question was not yet settled. And you can be young, you can be healthy, you can be rich and still not have the answer of the heart given and answered for you. Maybe that's you today. Maybe I'm describing you to a T. Maybe you're older, but you still haven't got that question settled in your mind and in your heart. How can I have eternal life? What happens after death? What happens after I leave my riches? What happens after I leave my friends? What happens after I have to depart the scene of time? This young man was not only young, he was not only wealthy, but he was a ruler. He had power. He had authority. 
People looked up to him. People took note of what he said. And what more could anybody look for than what this young man had? Maybe he was a, a ruler, one of the leaders in the local synagogue. But where he went, he displayed a certain authority and leadership with him. He was young, he was rich, he was wealthy, and he had standing in society, but he had no standing before God. And all of those things that we've outlined do not give you standing with God. The whole country can be waiting for your every word and for your, your latest, as it were, announcement. And that, that's, that's what it is today. We have all of these influencers. The younger people will know what I'm talking about. Influencers on YouTube, etc. And they have thousands of followers. And people just listen in to what they have to say. The latest fashion, the latest recipe, uh, the latest trend, uh, the, the, the latest ideology. And people just listen in to what they have to say. But they have nothing to say about eternity. And it's only Jesus who's the light of the world can give you the certain, the certain day about eternity. This young man had more than all of those things. He had a certain amount of outward morality. Because he was able to say to the Saviour that he kept the law of God. So he was, as it were, we would say, he was walking the clean side of the broad road. He was still on the broad road that went to a lost eternity. But he was striving to keep the law of God. He was a moral, upright young man. This is the type of young man any prospective father-in-law would have been glad to meet. If his daughter had brought him home. This young man also had reverence. The Bible tells us when he met the Lord Jesus. He fell on his knees in front of him. He wasn't ashamed to be seen kneeling in the dust. In front of this carpenter of Nazareth. Who he believed had words. Had words to say to him. That would bring an answer to his soul. He, he was kneeling before the Saviour. I think that's wonderful. But it wasn't wonderful enough because he still wasn't saved. There are many young people and they come to church just like you in the house of God today. And you have reverence and respect even for the Lord's day and even for the house of God. And you wouldn't want to do anything untoward in the house of God. But you're still not saved. And you still haven't got the great question answered. How can I have eternal life? This young, this young ruler, he had a, an acquiring mind. He didn't go to Jesus and say, how can I do better for myself in life? He didn't go to Jesus and say, how can I get a good wife? He didn't go to Jesus and say, how can I make more money? He didn't go to Jesus and say, could you help me do better in my exams? He went to Jesus and said, how can I have eternal life? How would you have answered this young man in Mark 10? If he'd have come into your home, what, what would you have said to him? How can you have eternal life? He is self-defined. He's a self-made man. But he doesn't have the big question answered yet. Secondly, Notice in the interview how Jesus took the young man now on a process of self-discovery. So he came self-defined, but Jesus knew he had not yet discovered who his real self was. 
This is a young man who, who, who believed that he had attained, achieved a certain amount of goodness. A certain amount of goodness. When, when people come to you like that and they've attained a certain amount of morality, they always think, that, well, that's enough. And this, this, this young man was just like that. He came to the Lord Jesus and he pays tribute to the older man. And he said, good master. And he was really taken aback because Jesus replied back to him, why do you call me good? One, as we read of the times of the New Testament, would rarely address a rabbi as being good. They had many titles. And they liked those titles and they liked the praise of men. They had many titles but they feared that title in case they would blaspheme Almighty God. They, they knew that they were not good. Now this young man came and he's calling Jesus good in verse 18. And the Saviour wanted to confront this young man with the living God who was Jesus' own father. And our Lord was saying to this young man, uh, he was saying to him, just pause where you are for a little minute because there's only one good and that is God alone. There's only one good and that is God alone. There's only one good being. There's only one in whom there is no darkness at all. The one who said, I am the light. There is no darkness in God. There's no darkness in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say to you today, you can't come to Christ for salvation and come with this pretense, well, I'm nearly 90% good. I'm nearly even 99% good. I only need to find out that other 1% to make myself good enough. The Bible tells us something contrary. Psalm 14 verse 3 says, There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Isn't that amazing? There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Paul took those words up and he used them in Romans 3 and 12. And he said, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. They're all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. You can be walking the clean side of the broad road. You can be aspiring outwardly uh, to be moral and upright and religious. But you'll never be good enough to get to heaven. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? That's something that young and old need to discover. You'll never be good enough to get to heaven. There was only one good enough. In order for this young man to clearly see himself as he was before God, the Savior took him to the law. There are certain preachers today, uh, and they say, well, you shouldn't mention the law. You shouldn't preach the law of God. You shouldn't bring that into the equation at all. But Jesus did in verse 19 and he took him straight to the commandments and the rich young ruler knew the commandments but he didn't understand their spiritual import because the commandments not only have an outward dimension they have an inward dimension and I just marvel at how Christ used the law of God in his interviews with souls you can look at the gospels and you can find how many times Jesus used the law in, as he uh, spoke to souls about their need of mercy and their need of grace. And that's why we sang today from Psalm 19 at the start, God's law is perfect and converts the soul. It's the law of God that sinners need to be taken to. And this is the way that sinners are made to see their lack of goodness. 
Not as measured by how they measure themselves, but as how God measures themselves. And how the law of God measures themselves. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus to the woman at the well of Samaria. Here's another illustration. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou as well said, I have no husband. And then he took her straight to the law of God. And he said to her, Thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. Jesus didn't let her away with it. She said, I've, I've no husband. Jesus said, you're right, you've no husband. You've had five of them. She was living in adultery. And Jesus just faced her with it. And the one that you're living with now is still not your husband. Your rightful husband before Almighty God. And just like this woman, this young man, is being brought face to face with the claims of God's law upon his life. The penetrating accuracy of the law of God shines right into the deepest recesses of our heart. And we're made to see the full light of the law of God in our hearts and in our lives. And as we see the law of God shining into our hearts and lives, what do we see? We see our own uncleanness. We see we're undone. We realize the truth of 1 John 3 and 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. Even just to transgress one fraction from the law of God. Either outwardly or inwardly is sin. Which one would stand up today and say I have no sin? None of us. Because we know our hearts. We know that there's none of us good enough. Maybe you're still on that journey of soul self-discovery. May the Lord take the law of God today and apply it to your hearts and lives. And show you the deep sin that is within your heart and is within your life. I want you to notice thirdly this young man was full of self-delusion. He was a young man just full of self. And sadly today there are many young people and they're so full of themselves they're totally deluded. And maybe that's you, young man, young woman in the meeting. You're so full of yourself you're totally deluded. But there's a lot of older people and they're just as deluded. This rich young ruler, verse 20, tells us he actually believed he'd kept all the commandments of God from his youth and therefore was good enough. And we know that's an impossibility. You can't keep the commandments of God perfectly from your youth. From my youth I have known the commandments of God and from my youth I have known and I confess today as an older man my continual habitual breaking of the law of God. The Bible says in James 2 and 10, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. All of the weight of the law, if you offend in one point, comes down upon your soul. How does God see us today? How does God look into this gathering here and on along in the money diary? 
What's his assessment? Before the, great, before the great judgment bar of Almighty God today, as the law of God was opened, how does God assess us? Only one answer, guilty. Guilty. The whole judicial system of heaven pronounces judgment upon us today. What the gospel tells us, because the pride brings down, the law brings down the pride, but the gospel adds the healing balm to those that have been brought down. Brought down there in sin, made to see what wicked, sinful creatures we really are under the law of God. The gospel of God's grace reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ, he came from heaven's glory to pay the debt. He didn't owe, but to pay it on our behalf. He paid our debt. All of the guilt that accrued to us for our breaking of the law of God, Jesus came and paid it. That's the gospel of grace. It's not that you and I could ever be good enough, but grace tells us Jesus was the only one that was good enough. And he paid, he paid all the debt that we owed so that we might go free. He came to fulfill God's law, to do God's will. And at approximately 33 years of age, he paid the ultimate penalty of the law in that he laid down his life as a ransom for the many. That gift of God was not put under the tree. That gift of God was nailed to the tree. And by being nailed to the tree, he took the ordinances of the handwritings that were against us and they were all cleared away. Oh, how we just marvel at the grace of God. Don't be self-deluded today. Don't go out of this building thinking, I was at church this morning, that's enough. That, that's enough for me. I've done my bit. Don't be self-deluded. Don't be thinking you're good enough. Rather, before God, take the sinner's place and say, Lord, I know I'll never be good enough. But I thank you for sending Jesus, who alone was good enough, to bear away the penalty of our sin. I want you to notice as we close today how the Master called this young man to self-denial. Verse 21. Jesus said to him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. The thing that was most dear to this young man was his riches. Jesus said to him, give them up. See, it wasn't just the riches, but it was the riches that was keeping him from coming to Jesus and fully trusting him. And God puts his hand upon your life today and he says, whatever is keeping you from following me, give it up. Because when you come to die, you'll realize it was fool's gold. You've held on to something and it's just fool's gold. Jesus says to you today, give it up. It mightn't be riches. It might be something else. But Jesus said, whatever it is, give it up. Because until you let go, you can never follow me. What a contrast is given in this verse. The young man was called to give up that which he clung to. And Jesus then said, take up the cross and follow me. That emblem 
of the curse of the law. That emblem that was so accursed even to the Jewish people. Jesus said, take the cross and follow me. The call of discipleship is no less demanding today. There's no crown before the cross. There are many people today, they want to be crowned with glory and honor. But Jesus was crowned with glory and honor only from the cross. And if you want the glory and honor, the crowning, you'll have to take up the cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a difficult thing in this age that we live in to profess Christ in the public arena. You will be a subject of ridicule and you will be open to all types of, of, of laughter from the world. But Jesus said to this young man, just the same as he says to you and I today, take the cross and follow me. Don't worry what the world says. Don't worry what the world thinks. Just take the cross. Take the cross up and follow me. This young man, he wanted eternal life. But he was unprepared for the cross. And he was grieved. That's what the Bible tells us. He was, he was grieved. He went away sad, verse 22. He went away grieved for he had great possessions. He thought less than the cross would do to get him to heaven. But it's only the cross and cross bearing will get you to heaven. I don't want you to think today that less will do. It's only the cross will get you to heaven. Nothing else will get you there. Some might say, why didn't Jesus call him back? He went away. It actually says, it's very profound. Jesus loved him. Here's a young man that says Jesus loved him. He loved this young man for his inquiring mind. He loved this young man for coming and seeking and, and asking and inquiring. He loved this young man for all of those questions that he put before the Savior. He loved him, but even though Jesus loved him, he went away. And if there's one thing I think that commends this young man, even as he went away, he went away sad. And I would say to you today, the Lord Jesus Christ, he does love you. But if you go away from this meeting rejecting him, as it were, taking that gift that God sent down from heaven and not only just putting it under the tree, but forgetting that it was even there, at least go away sad. Go away recognizing, realizing that you've rejected the greatest gift of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. People think when you come to church, it's been a bad service if you don't go away just happy. Here's a young man, he went away from meeting Jesus and he went away sad. I don't want you to go away self-satisfied that you've ticked boxes today coming out to church. I want you, if you're not converted in this meeting, I want you to search your soul, to search your heart, your life before Almighty God and at least go away sad. Because you've rejected him again. And you've turned your back on the one who said he loves you. Law brings down the pride. But it's grace that lifts the sinner up. You don't have to go away sad. 
you can go away with Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You can trust him. You can cry unto him. You can believe upon him. And in so doing today, find the answer that this young man came seeking. Eternal life for your sins.